0: Look at the Boga Honey Podcast.
1: That's why I, I tried not to have cams on my bow. I don't have to deal with slippage or anything Shut like that. Just put a new string on there and you're
0: fine. What is boga? But seriously, that's the dumbest thing it, ever. Seen. It go, I am all about Just you, strap it to your pack.
2: Really appreciate the fact that you're from Michigan and not Georgia.
0: So you don't <laughs> want
1: to be the next Mark Kenyon. No, I'm a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> that That spot's taken. You can see how pathetic Jared's face is right now, (laughs) because that's how it looked. It was just like,
0: (laughs) is this good enough? Hey, everybody. Before we begin, we're going to thank a couple of sponsors that helped make this show possible. First up is Vortex Optics. We've been using
1: their glass for a long time. Uh, Everything from their binoculars, spotting scopes, rangefinders, and a new thing called Vortex Edge.
0: Vortex Edge is their new world-class firearm training course, and they, they're they going to provide courses on precision rifle, uh, pistol, a couple of military tactics, and, of course, hunting and outdoors. And also, their spring and summer apparel line is dropping soon. So make sure to head over to vortex.com slash apparel and save yourself 20% by using what code? BOGA20. Nice. Trophy line, tree saddles. They are a one-stop shop. Sticks, platforms, yeah, saddles, it's, uh, and they just came out with a new EDP platform. It's a smaller, lighter, stronger version of the mission platform made in the US. It's the perfect size for us as mobile hunters. It's going to be available this April, so make sure to go and get yourself one. Save yourself 10% while you're doing it and use the code BOGAHUNTINGTL10.
1: Don't miss any letters in that. Go check them out. If we said it once, we said it a thousand times. Arrows are the lifeblood of the archery industry. Vector Arrows, Vector Custom Arrows, are the arrows that we shoot. Jared and I specifically shoot the Vector. HMR, the Vector Hammers. Hammer them.
0: Yep, they're a four millimeter micro diameter shaft that are super strong, extremely durable. You're gonna go to the website, all you have to do is input your specs, and they're gonna build the arrows directly for your specs. So head over to VectorCustomShop.com and they're gonna hook you up.
1: We do a lot of things on our phones. One of the things that Jared and I have found to be especially useful on our phone is our HuntWise app. It's the base. It's basically the ultimate hunting tool yep. set.
0: Land boundaries. They've got HuntCast 2.0 where it, it's an advanced hunting forecast to give you specific times and days that are the best days to hunt. And they also provide a safe and social space for hunters where you can post pictures, share stories. You won't get a graphic image, yeah, you know, it's Instagram not, cover over it. <laughs> it's uncensored and
1: unbiased. Yeah. Download the HuntWise app today.
0: Shut up in here. I'm trying to sleep. I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> one of you both get scissor kicked in, in the, the back, back of the head.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kid died, you know. Did he? Yeah. This little one? Yeah, he killed himself. Eesh. Yeah. Really sad, but he was really funny. And I, I had a whole case of Mountain Dew. I'm going to paint your back porch, red.
0: Mm-hmm. He said, you got a lumpy butt. I said.
1: All right. Well, we're ready whenever you are.
0: All right. I'm ready.
1: Yep. Cool. All right. Well, uh, welcome to another episode of the Boga hunting podcast. Uh back. We, it's been a uh, while. We've been on hiatus. I've been traveling and Jared's been, you know, out not losing arrows at archery shoots. And so That's impressive.
0: It, you know, did you really not lose a didn't lose an arrow second year in a row? Um granted I lost an insert. Okay, but in what, a target. Okay, yeah, yeah. But that doesn't Is that really so you that. hit
1: somebody else's crap in there? Or what, I don't know. It happen? just kind of came out. Glue comes loose sometimes. I had that with two of my, my inserts the other day or outserts or whatever they are.
0: That, and I was only up there for a day and I only shot the Yeti course. And
1: o- only he only took three shots total. Yeah. With this ball. <laughs> I said, I'm not picking this one. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> fast. Too risky. I'm passing him up and waiting for her, him to come in closer. Mm-hmm. You know, but he's yes, responsible.
0: I took five arrows, came out with five Did arrows. Did you go
2: to
1: tech?
0: I did it. actually,
2: I had my wedding reception this weekend. <laughs> oh, oh, right. You got married during
1: COVID. You're, it, was it Yeah.
2: So in March, we had like a small 50 person private wedding. And then we decided we would have a bigger wedding, just a reception in June. And then we actually did it just at my parents' house. We rented a bunch of tents. Nice. And then just had a people out there instead and it was it was a really good turnout so it was it was a lot of fun
1: celebrating your love once again you know once again round two and yeah was it as magical this time like and did you get, and you? did
0: you get dressed up again like did you set the mood no, no
2: thank thank god my wife's understanding she let me just wear a polo and shorts nice uh yeah i would have i would have died in this
1: heat
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah, yeah that's right because it, it was, was hot that brutally hot yeah.
1: It was hot. Um but are you more almost as importantly, are you coming to the uh, the Boga shoot off July 10?
2: Um I'm thinking about I have so that's actually like the worst worst date for me. I have it's my brother's birthday. I have a ba- or a bachelor party that weekend and yep. I have my wife's family get together that weekend. Yep. So I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, you you gotta be kidding me. There's, there's (laughs) no way I have, I have like two things I usually do in the summer and about four of them are on that weekend.
1: It's from what I can tell though, bachelor parties are best started at an archery shoot. Mm -hmm. Family get togethers are best had at at an archery Archery shoot shoot. because, you know, I'm excited, I'm excited about it because first of all, we met you. That's when we first met you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah at the first this we call this the second annual but we took a week, year off <laughs> so it's count. two out of three uh because covid <laughs> kind of jammed us up last year uh but we met you there got to talking and that's kind of how we we got in touch with you and i'm especially excited this year because uh i don't know if you guys can see the hat that i'm wearing here it's black but you see what it says on there it's got a p on it it's prime and prime I I'm going to be, be being the I'm going to be bringing both my recurve and the uh new compound. I'm dipping my toes back into the compound water this year, which is exciting.
0: Yeah, he uh pretty much is going to be how do you say it in a nice way?
1: Awesome. Really really accurate.
0: Lethal again? Yeah. Oh wow. Is that, that's a nice way to say it. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> oh my
1: goodness. No, there's just some hunts that I would like to do with uh, my recurve and some mm-hmm. that I'd like to take with my compound, and I'd like to have the choice, you know. Yeah, that's I'm, fine. I'm bi vocational.
0: We had the discussion up at Turkey Camp, man. There's, yeah, there's time and place there's for everything. Time and a place, even for a shotgun.
1: It. I, you know, I would, yeah, you know. you know what I'm saying. Like, and I'll take a rifle out. I, if it's a legal means and it's uh fun and it kind of matches what you're trying to do, you know. And we took the, I took a thirty thirty out this past year, shotgun. And a thirty at six, and my uh, my mm-hmm. my recurve, so it's not like I'm. And a twenty-two, yeah. so I'm all over the place. You know I, mean, I mean,
0: ba- yeah, I mean, basically, we whittled down our cons- our conversation to, we're only out like a couple weeks out of the year on these big trips, yeah. and you want to be successful, right? Well, and like and
1: and some trips are like you know, like say I'm going, uh, I got some plans for some bigger game that's like, generally a longer shot. Well, mm-hmm. then I want to. You know, I want to take the compound, but I got a, a bear hunt coming up, and a bear hunt with a bait is, you know, seems best over with a recurve, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, and you don't. And so, yeah,
2: you can't beat that a uh, bear with a recurve. That's cool. There, yeah.
0: So he wants that compound so he doesn't uh, injure any animals. He I just yeah, to, uh, and plus I really <laughs> like to shoot a compound. Excuse
1: me, did I just agree to that? It was supposed to
0: be a nice seg- <laughs> yeah. a nice segue into talking. Oh, that's about that's right. this. And you know, if you were to wound an animal, if you, you were know. to
1: have a shot, a marginal shot, or even a good shot, but you weren't concerned, you were a little concerned about it, you would give Tony a call. And actually, we've had a lot of chit chat. Like, let's let's dive into what you do, who you are. Why don't you introduce yourself?
2: Uh, so I'm Tony Hill. Uh, I brought, uh, I'm part of the Michigan deer tracking network and I also, I, um, I run find a Fred deer tracking, which is part of the network where, um, we have around, I think 50 trackers in our network all over Michigan. We have some in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin, just doing their best to.
1: Yeah. You guys, uh, that there's, I've got a lot of questions I'm trying to figure out how to start at the, the very, mm-hmm. how'd you get into it?
2: Um, just, it was actually a spur of the moment thing. We, my now wife and I decided that we wanted to start, uh, we wanted to get another dog and I've always loved hounds and I've always had beagles since I was little. So, and my dad, <laughs> My dad had kind of a reputation of maybe wounding animals and not finding Mm. them. So
0: I decided... I think everyone has a dad (laughs) like that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) If we're going to, if it, as soon as it it was becoming more popular, I decided that if I was going to get a dog, I might as well combine the two things I love most, bow hunting and dogs and that I would start deer tracking. And little did I know it, it would explode into me loving deer tracking just as much as deer hunting. So
1: <laughs> that's awesome. That is well, cool. and I like that you like your beagle, man. You know, Jared and I are beagle men ourselves. We uh, we got our <laughs> a, a dog together in college.
0: Uh, fifty dollars, fifty
1: dollars each, though. Was it each? I think it yeah. was
0: twenty-five each. I thought that was just a screaming deal. We couldn't pass up. It was, was basically <laughs> a newspaper ad. We're like, dude, this was fifty-dollar fee- beagles. Was no,
1: there was no uh, Craigslist at the time. Yeah, it was newspaper. It was paper. newspaper ads, and we're like, yeah. So we drove out to Jenison. Was it Jenison or somewhere that way? Who knows? And uh, we got him, and uh, Henry was his name. Mm-hmm. Great dog. Lived to be 12. Uh, lived at, Ended up moving with me out to New Jersey for law school, and uh, he was a legal beagle, I like to think, because he studied yeah, with me. He had have been older than that. <laughs> yeah, he was 12. He, I, I was there when they put him down. It was one of the worst days of my life. It was rough.
0: So we got him in yeah. like 2007. I've been there, yeah. Yeah.
1: It was it was not not fun, but he had a good and I now I've got a, another and he's part beagle uh and uh he's he's a good dog. He's not so uh hunt focused though. <laughs> so, he's more of like a he'd like to be on your lap a lot of the time, you know. So. <laughs> so when when you get started and you decide you want to have uh you want to be a a tracker like I mean, is that something you start at when there are puppies or how does that, how does the training go for yeah. dogs
2: so i started i picked up right at seven weeks and then as soon as i picked them up it was introduced to deer high deer Hose. at the time i used beef liver it's kind of interchangeable you can use deer liver beef liver beef blood uh, i've learned through other trackers that as long as you're introducing them to the, the beef blood it's same as the deer blood. And then uh, I was lucky enough that I posted on the United Blood Trackers page, which is like our national organization. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I had uh, Brian Alberta, who's from uh, Lost Blood Deer Tracking. He actually came out to my house, provided me with hooves, hide, everything to get started. And then he spent a lot of time helping me. And then Eric Peterson is another tracker he mentored me and then from there it was as soon as you started from a puppy is running tracks and then going from 10 yard hour age tracks to 500 yard eight hour age tracks okay. so it was always about keeping the confidence up in the puppy so you're making sure that you're only increasing one variable at a time whether that's distance Okay. Or the how old the track is?
0: How long are they? So just keeping it fun. Yeah. yeah. H- how long does it take for these these dogs to like really start developing this, this skill? Innate, yeah, yeah, this yeah. innate skill for for tracking. Is it something like you can see right away that they're like born with it, or is it something you just got to nurture?
2: I think I think these hounds are born with it. I mean, it's in their bloodlines for thousands of years. I mean, as soon as I put Fred down, he he kind of just took to it and I mean he's the uh, any other dog the a lot of people run hounds or the bloodhounds the Bavarians the um coon hounds they they all seem to take to their tracking and then now we're just honing their ability instead of the coons or the bears or the coyotes we're training them to track deer instead it's just introducing them to the whole aspect of cold trailing and keeping it fun, like that's half the, half the battle. It's if you, if you don't make it fun for the puppies, you guys with kids, if kids don't have fun, they don't want to do anything. It's just like a puppy. If he's not having fun, he's not wanting to track. And so that's the biggest thing when they're young is keep it as just as much fun, whether you're incorporating like playing fetch with the tennis ball that you've wrapped into your hair. It's just, keeping it fun while maintaining that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny cause they do take to it naturally. Like Henry tracked probably five deer at least
0: for me. Well, it's the same way he was just talking about, like we were walking out in the woods. You remember putting them down? Like we were, we were, we had shot a rabbit yeah and we were, you know, hanging it, we were holding onto it by its back legs and just letting it like, kind of brush up against the weeds as, like, we're walking back to your cottage. Yeah. We weren't even really we trying. We weren't even, yeah, we we were weren't trying, even to, trying. We just
1: were carrying a rabbit that we had shot back. Yeah, that's right. And we let Henry down,
0: <laughs> and he just took off the other way because he smelled the scent. <laughs> And, we and we're losing his mind. Just losing his nuts. Yeah. And finally he got like went back almost exactly to the spot where we had shot him yep. and started sniffing around again. Yeah. It was crazy. He wasn't refined. You could tell
1: like he needed some refinement. You know, he <laughs> He but, needed that his whole life. But <laughs> beyond know, he was he, yeah, you know what? He's one of the boys. <laughs> yeah, he was <laughs> <laughs> And uh but he would you know, I had a couple times in a rain where he found it. Found yeah, found the deer and I was like shocked that he did. Um, But again, like sometimes it would take him a long time, you know, and he would go all over the place. And I feel like he would he was not, he was not refined, you Mm -hmm. know? So, and when you're, when you're training these dogs, you're you're doing obviously a lot of blood work. It sounds like where you're, you're trailing with blood, but it sounds like you're just getting them in front of, or like used to, or wanting to be around deer parts. Right. So you said hooves and hair and stuff. Is that how that works?
2: That's the, that's the biggest thing. Like, when I first started out and any new tracker starting out, the best thing for them is getting your buddies and saying, Hey, even if you're a deer, you shoot it and goes 50 yards. Let me bring my dog out. So it's actually, it's the real thing. It's a real deer went 50 yards. He gets the experience for a lot of these puppies. It's the first time they're seeing a real deer usually. And it, it's just as soon as Fred saw his first deer, it was a training track it it was like everything kind of clicked that hey this is the real prize and it wasn't until probably the fifth sixth seventh deer that we actually found that he realized at the end like hey this is my reward this is what i get so like the first couple like it kind of clicks and then so the biggest thing is just exposing them to the tracks whether that's through um, deer that you know are dead from yeah. buddies or that's taking random calls from the public and exposing him to tracks that you, you may not find. And it's just keeping that drive in the dog to always want that deer at the end. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Now you said you, you know, that dog sees that deer at the end as like a reward. Are you giving him something at the end or like, you got to be like, Hey, my payments, uh, your yeah, deer liver, <laughs> you Yeah. Know?
2: fred doesn't really like once he finds the deer he'll chew on the entrance or exit hole yeah and, and he'll play with it but then after that he's they usually they kind of lose interest now like those little dash hounds and teckles, yeah they love to rip hair like interesting go, this little fella's go going out at him <laughs> yeah yeah they go absolutely crazy and then like my friend brian's bloodhound it i could care less like he finds the deer, that's, that's the deer. He it did his job and then we're done. So usually I'll do like, I'll freeze. I like to keep deer hearts and then I'll freeze them like jerky and then I'll give them, uh, that's the only time he gets that tree is at the end and a reward and it's, or it's, I might drag the tail or do something like that. Or, so it's, or let them chew on some meat or fat, but we always have to tell the hunter, like, I won't let him destroy your cape. Like, yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> get his neck. Nothing, nothing's gonna happen to your deer. Like, I'm not gonna let him chew on the head or the horns or anything like that. So Henry, that's the biggest thing.
1: Henry was a big fan of I. He, several times. Well, this started the first time I, I didn't know he was never
0: baby. put a trophy next to Henry.
1: He, he went and he ate the lungs. Like, and I'm not when I say because mm. he's a beagle and like if anybody's head beagles, you know, like food driven and like when they get food they're like and they like just inhale Suck it in. It and i look over and he ate a, lo- a lung in like two seconds and he pooped pink like pink <laughs> lo- lo- lung for like just, bubbles. just like like it went in but he loved that the lungs that's how he got his third win <laughs> that's right that's why man yeah he was uh yeah so he it was funny like and then afterwards i did the same thing I, if you ever found a deer i was like man you're part of it i got to give you some some cut of it
0: see when Henry lived with me back when he was a pup, yeah, he ate all my sheds. Did he really? Every shed I could, I yeah. had with me, he yep. would just gnaw on it. And he ate your turkey tail. Yeah, I, the I, one I, turkey that yeah. I had
1: this great mount. Like I finally did the thing where you salt it and you like spread out the mount. And I think I've told this story before. It was like my first time ever like making it nice. And I was gonna put a plaque and I was gonna hang it on the wall of my house. I put it in a bowl and salt, closed the door, walked out. I closed either I think either I left it open or I closed him in with it and I didn't know and all of a sudden I walk back in and of course he ripped it apart poof and then he ate the salt which made him <laughs> puke so it's just like dog puke <laughs> feathers everywhere I walk in like what the horror scene you know is this but no nope, just Hank yeah just Hank Hurricane Henry Yep. Who was rebranded uh, later on in life? At my my daughter read a book where the dog's name was Rover, and so for the last, like, two years of his life, he was uh, he switched. He not, was Rover. Not to me. No, not to me not either. To me. I, I wouldn't do it. So, no, that's cool. And that's it's, uh, it's interesting to know, you know, as, as we hear about this, just how much work uh, goes into mm-hmm. training these dogs. Like, you mentioned, you know, seven weeks you're getting started with them is this something you're doing daily? Is this weekly? How, how are you, how often is, um,
2: usually it's training is, um, in the winter kind of slows down. And then during the season, we don't really do any training just because we're so busy, but I like to get some done. I like to get some training in and usually December to January before the snow. And then once the snow melts, it's on again, like, uh, this weekend we actually had uh the tracking network had their set work um that is huge, like people. There's trackers from Texas, uh, South Carolina, Oklahoma, Georgia, Illinois, like we had a huge event where trackers came to test their dogs and uh that's I actually one of my friends Alex was testing, so I got up. Uh, Friday morning at five a.m. laid him a track, practice track, so he could run it at ten a.m. before he tested on Saturday. So this is something where we're we're working year round with each other. Usually, a lot of us because it's laying tracks for yourself. You sometimes you you cheat without knowing. Like you may hold the leash a certain way or you may guide your dog in a certain way but you will never know it until you bring somebody else out with you so uh, i like to track i like to do tracks with other people in the network so it allows you to they observe how you handle your dog and the things that you need to do to improve and then it allows you to you're not cheating in a sense because yeah. once you lay the track you know you know where the turns are you know yeah. what things are and then Some days if your dogs struggle and you maybe just nudge that leash a little bit and he sees it. So this, we do a lot of uh, tracks together. The hardest part is it's a two part system. So I have to lay a track on Monday and then however long you want to age it give maybe 10 hours, 24 hours, seven hours. You have to find time to run it.
1: Sure. Right. Mm -hmm. So
2: not only are you laying it, you have to go back and find the time of day to run the track after and when the conditions are right. And that's usually the hardest part. It's okay. I laid the track. Now you get busy or somebody needs something or yeah. the weather changes drastically or the wind shifts. And then the, the wind shifting could almost ruin an entire track. Right. So it's, it's, it's a lot of work to run tracks all all year, but it's, it's what you need to do to keep your dogs in shape.
1: How long does it take to lay down a track? Mm-hmm. Are you just literally dragging something bloody through the woods, or what does that look like?
2: So I have um, tr- tracking shoes from uh, the United Blood Trackers, and uh, so basically I have a pair of plastic shoes, and then I... Um, you put a hoof in the back and the hoof sits under the shoe, like your lacrosse boots. And then the weight of your foot presses down that hoof and the inner digital gland into the ground. And that's the scent that the dog's tracking. So I basically walk through the woods with boots on and lay the track. And then once i am done, I'll usually, sometimes I'll leave the boots at the end or I'll leave a. And it's always, I'll have a set of hooves and uh, usually a little piece of fur, like just 10 by 10 or small little piece of fur and then i'll leave that at them but it's always all from the same deer so that you're not if you use a hoof from two hooves from each different deer it'll confuse the dog
1: sure
2: they can smell. they each have an individual scent yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so i'm using two hooves i'll walk and i'm usually a couple 90 degree turns uh maybe a teeny little backtrack or we'll make wound beds so the dog has to realize because we deal a lot with wound beds with uh, gut shot deer liver shot deer where they a lot of hunters (laughs) track too soon and then they jump the deer so wound beds are huge for us as they we can usually gauge uh we see what blood they left in the bed where you can see where on the body the deer is bleeding just by seeing where it's laying in the bed so those are usually huge and it's it's really advantageous for us to be able to find those wound beds. So we've, I like to create mock wound beds. We do, um, basically, any anything you can do with deer, I'll do that
0: too. That's it. I'm calling a break. You're calling a break? Breaking the episode. This four. is a timeout. Timeout in the episode, and we are gonna thank a couple more sponsors, so deal with it
1: it's no secret that i love traditional archery and i love bivouac boco Jim in georgia years of experience each bow is handcrafted one of a kind i've got special camo limbs that nice. they did special for me they look awesome and they stand the test of time but it's looking great shoots great check them out bivouacboco.com wild pursuit wellness makes premium cbd products it's all natural Broad-spectrum CBD, meaning that there is less than 0.0% THC. It can be ingested or used topically on the skin to help with muscle soreness or joints. We we use it a lot after a long hike. Use promo code BOGA for 20% off at checkout. Check them out, wildpursuitwellness.com. Yeah, like uh, Mm -hmm. just for people who are listening, I'm realizing wound beds. uh, You shoot a deer ideally what you want to happen is you shoot it it goes a little ways and it lays down and makes a bed and and hopefully ideally bleeds out in their bed laying there um but what you know you're referring to tony is sometimes you shoot a deer you're all excited about it you go in before that deer has had a chance to expire you get him up out of his bed and he goes and another you know half a mile sometimes like a long way is on occasion uh and so for you to find that is critical first of all you can see what type of blood is in it and stuff but it also gives you a sense of how long you got to wait and, and so on as well right is, am I getting that right
2: yeah it gives us a sense of what we're dealing with and usually it allows us to gauge how hurt the animal is like if it's betting once every 10 yards or if it got up and then it's betting again usually that means they're pretty they're significantly wounded right. and if it's if it can't keep going and then it just gives us an idea of what kind of wound we're dealing with. If there's a lot of blood in the wound, if there's just a team in a little spot or sometimes a lot with gut shots, it may be uh, just green, uh, like intestinal fluid oh, or
1: a yep.
2: a bile, things like that, that we're dealing with. Or During gun season, it could be chunks of bone from a leg hit. Yep. So it's... it. Finding those wound beds sometimes is critical in allowing us to judge whether we keep going and we need to keep pushing the deer, or we need to back out, give the deer time. Whether the the blood is fresh and wet, or it's frozen over, or it's dry. So those those can be critical in determining whether or not you decide to back out and let the give the deer a little bit more time, or you're going to decide to keep pushing and. Uh, try and recover the deer
1: yeah hmm. uh all right so walk me through how this works say i'm a member of the general public i'm out hunting with a you know, recurve with, <laughs> with a recurve. <laughs> and i put a marginal <laughs> i put a put a marginal hit on a deer how do, what how do i get a hold of you like how and and like are there fees and when do i call you do i look for the deer first or how, how does that hold what like what's the best way to go about doing this
2: So I have, we all use, everyone pretty much has their own Facebook page. Okay, Mine's find it Fred. There's, uh, any, if you go on, uh, the Michigan deer tracking network is usually the most important at the beginning of the year. Uh, we have a sheet where it lists county by county, every single tracker in the County, their phone numbers. Um, and that list comes out. Usually I think around like September maybe or August. Mm-hmm. So right before deer season starts. And then it's a complete list, county by county, phone numbers for everybody. And every single dog on that list has either passed a UBT certification or one of the veteran trackers in the group has tested that dog. So that you're not getting a dog that yeah. that hasn't been at least like vetted on a deer or proven that it can track a deer. Yeah. Because with tracking becoming more popular, it's kind of exploded in the last couple years. That's you're not always certain whether the person you're calling out is their dog is actually tracking the deer. And then each individual tracker sets their own rate. So the past two years my tracks have been for donations. Okay. Whether that's it's whatever you think what I did for you is acceptable. And some trackers have a certain rate. Some trackers do it. If they recover your deer, there's an extra set fee. It's it's really a hundred percent up to the trackers. And we don't like to, we don't discuss that. It's kind of like one of those things where it's completely up to the individual person and yeah. how they see it. And some, I, Generally, will travel an hour okay. from Grand Rapids. So, that's I've driven all the way up to Leroy in a day. Oh, wow. And I've driven as far south as down by like Shelbyville. Okay. So,
0: yeah, it's right by me. It maybe. all depends, but, but yeah.
2: So, being in the network is actually huge because, say, I get a track down by you Jared in Shelbyville. I know I have another tracker that's closer and i'll call him and say hey are you busy and can you run this or do you would it be better for me to run it because our schedules during the rut and during gear season fill up so fast and that's kind of a hard thing for people to understand is like during so november 7th last year was my i think it was my busiest day and i had over 30 phone calls in just one day you know
1: what so th- november 7 was my best day of hunting last year both in what i saw and then driving around i saw like around my old neighborhood like three different bucks chasing and i saw one i was parked on the side of the road and watched a buck chase a doe literally right past my car the seventh was hot last year
2: mm-hmm. yeah so i it's actually like i can i kind of keep a log of like my busiest tracking days, so that's when i know that's the heaviest deer movement yeah. because well, I get uh, 20, 20 phone calls. Hook yeah. us up on those. Yeah, hot give us some babies. of that data. You know I mean? we're, we're data guys, you know. Because <laughs> it's, yeah, some days it's, I may get one or two calls and yep. I'll run a boat. And then there's days where I might get six or seven calls. And then once about October, once around Halloween, yeah, sure. Halloween to November 15th, you're getting anywhere from one to 10 calls. Some guys are getting up to a hundred, like yeah. and, unreal. And then usually it's, usually it's we'll talk. So like everybody knows mm-hmm. we talk to each other and sometimes, so we know like, Hey, I'm going here and I'm going here. And to make sure that tracks are getting covered and sometimes we are honestly too busy and we can't cover them all. So we have to go with the tracks that we believe will give us the highest chance of recovery.
1: Yep. Yeah. Cause you're looking out for, you want to keep your reputation high and, and you don't want to, I'm sure you get like a lot of guys who get, have terrible shots uh, on deer and they're calling you in to like check you. They, they, you know, shot them in the butt or something and, and they want you to come in and find this deer for them.
2: We, I deal with everything.
1: I have guys that will call me out that, hey,
2: I I may have missed this giant 160-inch deer, but will you come out and just make sure? Yeah. Or <laughs> I tracked it 100 yards with blood, and I don't think we're going to find it, but I just want to be absolutely certain that I don't leave a dead deer out there.
0: Mm-hmm. You can't blame
2: and, them. And then I get a call um hey i know i made a perfect shot and i can't find any blood like i tracked a deer from my uncle this year he's like i made a perfect shot i can't find any blood and then we tracked his deer 100 yards he made a perfect shot we never found a drop of blood interesting so it's sometimes you're dealing sometimes you deal with hey i made a perfect shot but there's no blood it's dark i could grid search i could mess up the whole area or you call me in I find it in five minutes there's one line of scent into the deer and one line of scent out you're not spreading scent all over and we're out in 10 minutes yeah so hmm. those those are I'd, yeah you name you name a deer shot and I've probably <laughs> taken a call for it <laughs> you, at some a, point.
1: I've got a I've got a great deer shot story and it's self-deprecating story uh I was out. Big words today. When I was younger, young, young, and I was one of my first years with a rifle, and I was posted up in this like group of pines. Right, it was right on the knoll. Everybody who ever hunted with at, up north knows the knoll was like fine. I mean, everybody hunted there, and you would see some does occasionally, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm up there. These does come right in, like sweet. I I got all this pine in the way I shoot, and I I see the tree pop in front of me and i'm like i still think i hit him and so i see her run off and i had shot her in the like the elbow uh like the the uh, the bullet got hit low and i'm i'm like feeling horrible like i cannot believe i just did that i had practiced and was all ready so for the rest of the day it was a nice layer of snow on the ground i tracked that deer with only one leg found it shot it and and got it the The interesting part, part, though, was I had convinced my cousin to come help me. And he's like, all right, I'll come help you. And he was kind of a guy who was like always knew, the thi- you know, what to do. He knew best. He's older than me. So I was like, I'll help you. I'll show you what to do. So I'm tracking. He's always behind me. We finally get to a clearing. I'm like, all right, we got the deer up there. He's like, where? Well, let me see. He walks up and just shoots my deer, the, the, <laughs> which I'm like, what the heck? You pu- first of all, he
0: you know. Does he, his name he, rhyme with gyno? Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. He shoots it. I'm I'm kind of mad. I'm like, this is my deer. And secondly, he shoots it on the ice. And it was real, not not far into the season. So the ice was thin. I'm like, how am I supposed to get this deer who wandered out on the ice out there? So I was heading back to get um, these. My plan was to get ropes and like a tube, like a like yep. a boat tube, and just slide Disperse out there. Disperse your and weight. If, and you if, I sli- if I fall on somebody, can just reel me in. Well, my brother had heard about this, my younger brother, who at the time was... Smaller than me, he's bigger than me now, and he he and my other cousin just walked out and grabbed it in the meantime, <laughs> like without just like oh I thought we'd help and grab the deer, so like everybody did my work for me, but I still we I found that deer that that was a leg shot, so worst shot I've ever had that actually connected on a deer, but we did find it because that man that when you hit him in the elbow, it's it's not pretty, it's like uh, looks like lasagna down there, mm. so um <laughs> uh, my. The way I, as I'm thinking about this, you know, I'm thinking about this upcoming season. I'm like, man, I, I would hate to have this marginal shot, uh, but if it happens, I want to make sure, you know, before I call you that I'm doing the right things uh, to make sure that I'm giving you the best chance of success. So, say I make a shot, like, and I'm not sure uh, how soon do I call you? Do I look? Do I not want to mess up the scent? how does that work or
0: or what what, what's some of the information that you want to know to help me you make yeah how do we make it easier help us help you yeah
2: yeah okay so the very first thing is usually i like to at least after we shoot a deer we're giving it an hour yeah i mean just an hour so because you don't know how far that deer went before i bedded down that deer could have ran 50 yards and bedded down that deer could have ran 20 yards and bedded down if you can't see it, unless you watch it walk away and you know it's gone or, or ran away. And then the biggest, the most information is usually from the arrow. Okay. A picture of the arrow, a picture of the shot site, hit site, the blood, any smell coming from the arrow, any, um, any hair you may see, any specks of uh, blood or stomach or just anything that you see at the hit site and then i usually send out we have a i'm sure you've seen it the grids uh the deer with the grid on it yeah and i'll send that and i'll say hey where do you think you hit it because (laughs) i've dealt with people that say they hit it in the chest or perfect shot yeah and it ends up being a gut shot and then (laughs) The next most important thing is, what did the deer do after you shot it? Did it tuck its tail and walk away, and then stop, and then look around, and then slowly walk away? Yeah. Or did it full sprint, gone out of out of the country? So that's one of the what What is the deer doing after you shot it? So, say the deer walks away. Mm You shot it. It hunches up. It walks away slowly. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's. It looks kind of drunk or sick, maybe. Jared,
1: uh, he's that walking like a, a Jared in I... college, drunk yeah. and sick.
2: <laughs> so that would be a time I would say, hey, let's at least give that deer six to twelve hours. Okay. Um, there's, there's no reason to push that deer. I like to. We like to say, dead deer don't run
1: sure so you i like that if
2: that deer if that died if the deer dies in its first bed it's usually going under 500 yards yeah but the second you jump that deer and get that adrenaline going again and then not only are you getting the adrenaline going again the line is sent for say you're worried about coyotes eating your deer
1: yeah if that deer only out. goes
2: 200 yards from your tree stand, beds down and dies, the coyotes aren't going to find it as well as if you jump it three or four times and now that gut shot deer just ran across all 160 acres or a whole section, Right now it's way easier for a coyote to walk in through the woods to pick up that gut shot deer and there goes your deer.
0: Yeah.
2: So the biggest thing is just patience. It's so hard to do and it's so I'm terrible hard. at it. i being a hunter, I understand. Like, that's what you want to do. You want to go find your deer. Like, yep. you know, but and I've made that mistake. I made that mistake this year with my dad's deer after he shot it. We jumped it after 150 yards. Um, we, so I was like, all right, we'll come back tomorrow. We come back tomorrow in the morning and then it started to rain. So I put Fred down and we had no blood, the brain had washed everything away, and we go to where we think we last jumped the deer.
1: Yeah, and then
2: Fred blows past that, and we come to another deer that we could see in the morning. It was still a little dark, we could see it, and I was like, and Fred, when he sees a deer, he starts barking like a coon hound, yeah, sure, going <laughs> crazy. <laughs> so I was like, So I do it, we restart at the hit site, I go back again. And then Fred takes me another way and goes back to a two track that we had driven in on and crosses it. And then he's still kind of, like, milling around. He hasn't really figured it out. Yeah. So, I'm like, ah, oh, all right, I'll, I'll try it again. And this track was from my dad. He was getting really discouraged. He, he, he gets the shakes, the yips really bad. Oh, sure. So yeah, yeah. Fever. So does Jared, though. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. So, he kind of forgets everything and just... Yeah, (laughs) you get jazzed, man. I get it. Really discouraged. I was like, "Yeah," but I'm like, "Dad, we're gonna find this deer. Like, we're gonna find it." So eventually, I put Fred down a sec the third time, and I'm like, "He brings me the same path." So I'm like, "Dad, this deer definitely went this way." He brings me the same exact spot. We cross the two track again, and then we go about 150 more yards, and we come up on the deer, and it's bedded down. It was still alive at this point, barely. So we had to dispatch the deer again, since I'm certified through the uh, UBT and the Michigan DNR, we're able to dispatch the deer. So we dispatched the deer and then the celebration begins. So yeah. That track, if I would have waited and I wasn't, we were at deer camp. I was excited. My cousins were there. My dad was there. My dad shot the first deer at deer camp. Yeah. He thought he made a better shot than he did and it turns out after what would have been a 50 yard track where the deer was bedded down where it would have died yeah instead turned into an 800 yard track <laughs> oh man yeah so it's once you kick those deer up after you jump them out of bed they usually run to the can't run anymore or do they get back to a place that feel safe yeah. so it's it's one of those things where it's i know understand it's super hard but it's just and i'm trying to develop that more myself it's just patience after the shot patience
1: well so much of hunting is patience i mean sitting there staying in your, you know I, i've had it where i got up too early you know and wanted to move around it's like if i would have stayed at 15 more minutes that you know the tracks of the buck went under my stand or whatever right. uh or, you know, you, you go to a great example was last year, my brother-in-law, I was hunting with him and he shot a buck and went after it too early. Um, and he, uh, so we're like, I, he calls me, he's like, I went looking for it. I think I kicked it up. I'm like, shoot. Uh, we wait. I'm like, you gotta, you gotta come back. And of course, like after you bump it once, it's, it's kind of iffy. And then of course it starts pouring rain and we looked, we grid searched. I mean, we couldn't find it uh but like you said if we would have been patient i think that deer would have been done like you said within within a couple hundred yards
2: and it's it's so hard because how many opportunities do we get to shoot a deer a year right you're one chance and then you're like ah so that's that's become a thing like you only get so many opportunities so you got to make a count so it's becoming more patient and i've learned a lot through i've learned a lot through angles of tracking and seeing so many deer tracks and shot deer yeah um just doing the uh, autopsy you say after after we see a what killed the deer and it's like it, it gives me an extra now that I'm hunting, I take an extra second or two to make sure I'm making the best shot possible. Yeah, exactly. You know, the back end. I of know it. how quick a deer can drop or move. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That's funny how that is. Uh, you, like you, you just, you think more about it when you see it. Uh, like it's, I'm sure if you're getting 30 calls in a day or whatever, you see it a lot. Um, I'm actually really interested in your shoes. I need those just to throw people off. (laughs) Like, I want to start leaving some some trash. Look at all these deer ripping through here. They are just tearing this place up, and I can just – because last year, I've shared on the podcast, I just struggled with other hunters jamming me up in my great spots. Uh, you know, especially like last year, especially was was bad, uh, and I feel like with those shoes, you give me an afternoon with those shoes, I'm clearing my <laughs> spots. <right laughs> up. I'm making scrapes, yeah. man. I, but I want some buck print, like yeah, like I mean, a like a half a football. Well, you got to kill one
0: that big first. You, well, yeah. <laughs> you got to be able to get the hooves. That's
1: true. I find an elk or something. There you
2: yeah. go. <laughs> you get roadkill, last resort. Exactly. You know, I,
1: utilize I that thing. It's funny you say that. I uh, was driving home. So this last couple of weeks I've been camping with my family and we've been talking about getting these beetles that we're talking about getting them again. My wife really wants to get these dermisted beetles and which means I wouldn't hate it. You wouldn't hate it, right? It would be nice. And I told her now that we're we're building a new place that garage det- detached, I feel better about having uh, beetles in the garage if it's not attached to my house. Uh, and so I we I've started to accumulate. Some things that I've found in the woods in my gr- my freezer for when these beetles come. Uh, I've got a scarlet tanager uh, right now. Found Very it nice. No, not a scarlet uh, gr- grosbeak. Anyways, uh, uh, I, but we're driving back and I see this badger on the side of the road. It was getting late though. I was trying to get it. She's like, "You cannot turn around. We got to make it. We had to make it. We had a. We took the ferry across Michigan, mm. cocked the wagon, and floated across.
0: Oh, Wolverine.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, it was the uh, exp- the Lake Express. Mm um anyways so we were in a hurry but man it's been eating me there's a badger i saw that would be awesome to have a skull That would be cool you know um so anyways um so fred like you know we're we're in the summer now um but one of the reasons why i want to talk to you is people need this information uh because going into the season they're they're you know they're pro- somebody that will listen to this podcast will have um have an issue um and so I want that information to be in front of them as soon as possible. Uh, so, like, as you're practicing and as people are thinking through it, I want to make sure that they know where to find you. How how can they follow? Find a Fred. How can they follow the, the stuff that you're doing? How can they learn more and then maybe have your contact information so that some should something go south, uh, they got a guy who who can call. They can call.
2: Find a Fred is on Facebook and Instagram, and then the most important thing for everybody in Michigan is facebook the michigan deer tracking network that way when the list comes out in september august we publish it every year and it usually we pass it to michigan whitetail pursue all the hunting pages on facebook whether that's like the michigan hunting nation um michigan deer hunters let them go let them grow like all hunting Volga hunting this year you should share with us we'll share it for you Um, so we will, I will, I will personally post our tracking list to Boga hunting, and then it will give a county by county, um, description of each tracker, their phone number. And then one thing I recommend is like, give me a call before the season and just say, Hey, this is John. I live here. I may not need you, but hey, let's connect. Yeah. Developing a relationship with somebody or I do. You'd be surprised how many calls we take where I just give hunters advice or more. Some of the more veteran trackers just give hunters advice where they're saying, here's the situation. This is what you should do. And whether it's us sending us a picture and I'll go, yeah, that deer's dead but you still need to give it four hours yeah or that deer's gonna be dead go in the morning and if it's not within the first 200 yards give me a call and i'll come out sure so sometimes it's just us giving advice to hunters and passing that information along um i know rob miller uh he's probably the most veteran tracker in michigan and it's, we're blessed to have him uh, part of our group, and he posts a lot of information on his um, Facebook page, and it gives uh, tons of breakdowns of shots, blood, hair, what you think. He'll post a picture of blood, and then he will say, what do you think happened? And then at the end, he'll post, I mean, he's got 10, 15 years experience. That's thousands thousands of tracks so it's you you can't you can't beat that kind of knowledge so that's that's where i i sometimes go for information other trackers go for information um united blood trackers has a, a nationwide list of trackers by state so if you go to their website they have a breakdown of say so you guys decide to go out to Wyoming elk hunting or Colorado elk hunting and you wound an elk. Well, this past year, Eric Peterson was out in South Dakota or North Dakota and he was out tracking elk and he ended up tracking a huge, like six by six, like uh, with his dog Peekaboo and ended up finding a giant elk. Great dog name, by the way. So it's, it's literally a nationwide thing where, if you're traveling anywhere in the country, there's a detailed list of trackers and their phone numbers, and it breaks down. Because my brother ended up wounding an elk this year in Colorado,
0: and he's like, "Dude, I'm
2: I'm gonna call you." He's like, "How much is a flight?" I, like, I don't know if I can get Fred on an airplane. <laughs> so that's it's cool. yeah,
1: yeah, that's really but, cool. I uh... we do
2: have trackers that are traveling.
1: Yeah. Indiana, oh.
2: Ohio. Awesome.
1: It seems like it's growing fast. Uh, for a while, it was like you just never heard of it. And some states like frowned on it, and it, which was ridiculous uh, to me. Um, but now it's like you hear of it all the time, and it makes total sense. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think this year, just our Michigan Deer Tracking Network, um, I think we have around 50 members, and we have some members. We have some people that are in Pennsylvania um, that – don't have the pleasure of the network. I mean, network is probably one of uh, the best organizations like in the country. Just getting together, making sure that we're doing what's best for deer tracking in Michigan. Making sure that dogs are tested, that when you guys call, you're getting the best available. So. The work that the veteran trackers, Brian Dagan, Ken Jordan, Eric Peterson, uh, Richard Martin, that they're doing that has kind of made the learning curve for me go from a little baby to uh, 10 years experience right away. They cut the learning curve for everybody. And it's people like that that are giving back to tracking that are making the difference for tracking in Michigan.
0: Yeah. that's So a big deal.
2: it's, it's pretty awesome that we have such an awesome group of trackers in Michigan that are willing to get back. And we, that is the reason we had, I think a thousand recoveries this year. It's amazing. So right around a thousand recoveries cool. total. Yeah.
1: People that are like eating I mean, venison right now because of you, you know? Yeah. It's, it's
2: pretty incredible to see the amount of work and dedication that these people have for the public i mean it's for other hunters and it's it's for when it you use i've seen grown men cry and a lot of us have seen grown men oh, cry yeah. when all hope is lost i mean yep. you go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows and then all of a sudden you find that buck for them yep and man the amount of hugs I've gotten from grown men that's awesome. after I found their deer is—it's that's pretty it's, cool. That's cool. It's that is pretty awesome cool. to just see the smile on their
1: face. Because that's like the most tense moment for me, at least of of a hunt, is after you shoot and before you found it. I'm I'm like sleepless nights, sleepless and nights, and, and you're just and, you're just on edge and you're yep. just doubting everything. And it's so to take that away and give some peace of mind and just you know to help people find more deer than they would have without is, is a huge deal. Uh, Although great dog name for a tracker Waldo, like where's Where's Waldo Waldo kind of thing. Right. (laughs) Um, Anyways, uh, we're ending here. Uh, So everybody check out, find It Fred Tony. Thank you for coming on. We'll we'll be in touch and hopefully, well, I don't know. Hopefully we get to call you or hopefully not. I don't know how that works. I mean, we'll hopefully get to send you a picture of a monster buck that we shot without needing a tracker.
2: Yeah. Or if you guys just want to have fun and, uh, you just want to see a dog work or you want to just see you make a perfect shot and you just want to just want to see it work give us a call gladly come out we'll just do a little demonstration just quick just so you guys can see because it's it's truly amazing thing to see when the dogs the dogs take a scent yeah it's let's awesome. do that be it's fun. definitely got
1: me hooked okay cool well thank you again man for coming on appreciate it uh say hi to the the wife and to fred for us and uh yeah have a good one yeah
2: have a good one guys thanks